0: chapter two of recollections of bush life in australia by henry william haygarth this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by kirk Ziegler. a head station in the interior the residence of a stock owner beyond the boundaries of the colony is usually situated in the most central part of his station as that portion of territory is called of which he holds temporary possession it being in fact the property of the crown to which he annually pays a certain sum for permission to depasture his stock thereon by stock in australia are understood sheep horned cattle and horses some breeders turn their whole attention to the former and some confine it to the two latter conjointly but generally speaking it is usual as it is most judicious and profitable to combine each sort on an establishment where each kind of stock is kept they are separated as much as possible, different parts of the station being allotted to each. The object of this is to prevent their interfering with each other, to their mutual detriment. For though horses and cattle will feed together upon the same spots, yet both have a strong antipathy to the vicinity of sheep, so much so that there is no more effectual method of driving them away than by feeding a flock or two of sheep over their pasture grounds the sheep therefore are put out at smaller stations on which two or three flocks are grazed these are generally from two to five miles distant from the residence of the proprietor or overseer and for the most part consist merely of a single hut capable of accommodating two or three men and are erected in such parts of the station as are particularly favorable to sheep which being the most profitable stock receive the greatest share of attention the judicious manager however contrives to make the most of his run as well as of his stock by placing each sort upon those parts which from the quality of the pasture and nature of the country are best suited to their habits he occupies the dry hills and sound plains with his sheep and allows his cattle to appropriate the spots most congenial to their nature such as river-banks swampy creeks and the moist low grounds generally while his horses which through a rambling disposition do not require such constant inspection as the rest are suffered to roam far and wide over the whole station and are not much restricted so long as they do not transgress its extreme bounds the head station at which the owner or superintendent resides is generally so situated as to be nearly as impossible equidistant from the several sheep stations to which frequent visits are necessary the huts paddocks and various other improvements as they are generally called are often spread out here and there over a large space of ground the land being of little value and perhaps on this account it is that a large establishment though composed separately of very rude materials presents upon the whole from its extent rather an imposing appearance especially when viewed from a distance the principal buildings are generally placed upon a gentle eminence slightly removed from the rest, and consist of the owner's residence, the kitchen, and store. The two latter, situated behind the former, are generally mere huts, built after the ordinary bush fashion of wooden slabs, whitewashed on the outside and roofed with the bark of trees. The proprietor's abode has, however, greater pretensions to comfort and external effect, the rough slabs of which is built in common with the other edifices are concealed by lath and plaster which being whitewashed and lined on the outside as to resemble a stone structure has a more substantial appearance weatherboard cottages which are better and more expensive are occasionally constructed but though very common nearer the capital and in the more settled parts of the colony they are looked on as a sort of unnecessary luxury beyond the boundaries the roof is covered with shingles instead of the more unsightly bark of trees while a veranda is carried out in front and frequently serves in default of any other external distinction to point out to a stranger the owner's abode the largest building on the whole establishment is the wool shed where the sheep are shorn and the wool stowed during the short time it remains upon the station previously to its being sent to sydney it is usually placed at some little distance from the owner's residence and is also constructed of wooden slabs with a roof of bark but is much higher and longer than the other buildings and somewhat resembles a barn or outhouse it is floored with narrow slabs of wood to protect the fleeces from dirt whilst the sheep are shorn for which purpose they are always placed on the ground the door of the wool shed opens upon several low yards used at shearing time to separate the sheep while a higher fence encloses a larger space beyond which is used as a stack yard for wheat and hay a wool-press and a table on which the fleeces are folded constitute the only furniture in the interior still further off an open space is occupied by the stockyard for the reception of the numerous herds of cattle and horses and nearer the house is another yard of similar construction but much smaller in which the cows are milked working oxen yoke saddle horses driven when they are wanted and cattle slaughtered for home consumption for this latter purpose it is furnished with what is usually known as a gallows which is simply formed by two saplings about twenty feet high forked at the top on which is laid a strong cross-piece to which the carcass of the animal is pulled up by means of a windlass fixed outside the yard and thus it is suspended to cool during the night the abodes of the working men which are merely slab huts of the rudest description each containing two rooms or divisions are scattered here and there usually in the background and complete the picture of the head station bush or slab huts are built wholly of wood in the following manner four posts are sunk in the ground to a depth varying with the height and size of the building and form the four corners these support long beams or wall plates grooved on the under side and immediately beneath these again wooden sleepers are laid in the ground a little below the surface which are grooved similarly to the wall plates and are in fact the main foundations of the building the sides or wooden walls are formed of slabs the ends of which are respectively fitted into these grooved plates and the sides are smoothed off with the adze to make them fit close together on the wall plates a simple roof is fixed in the usual manner the covering of which consists either of shingles or of the long wiry grass of the country or of the bark of trees usually of the stringy bark or of the box-tree the bark is stripped from the trunk in sheets of about six feet by three and is fastened to the roof by means of a wooden frame so constructed as to press some part of every sheet and thus to keep down the whole the chimneys which are placed outside at either end are also built of wood and are fortified on the inside with stone which is carried up sufficiently high to prevent the flames from reaching the outer slabs in the course of a few years when the stock owner finds that the station he originally occupied is becoming too small to support the increased numbers of his flocks and herds as will be the case if he is met with average success he is compelled in order to prevent his run from being too heavily stocked either to sell off his superfluity or find new pasturage elsewhere on this point he uses his own judgment but as it frequently happens both that the state of the market is unfavorable for effecting sales and that no unoccupied land is to be procured in the vicinity even for money at the time he has no alternative but to push off with his extra stock in quest of some new country and there to form a branch or outstation here he erects huts paddocks and other improvements sufficient for the number of men he proposes leaving in charge of his stock and hither he makes periodical journeys more or less frequently as circumstances render necessary the requisite supplies are sent by means of bullock teams which if the station be a distant one take at each trip sufficient for six or twelve months or when the roads are so bad as to be impassable for drays pack bullocks are used which will carry about two hundred weight each when the stock at one of these outstations consists of sheep it is usual to have them brought into the head station at shearing time and when of horses or cattle the owner travels out to visit them several times during the year generally in spring or towards the end of summer for the purpose of collecting them branding the young stock and sending to market any that are fit for sale there are few more lonely spots than the majority of these outstations they are seldom occupied by more than two or three men the stockkeeper who has charge of the herd and another man whose business it is to cook fetch water grind and bake and in short keep house the head station or owner's residence is distant perhaps one hundred miles and upwards and the nearest habitation of any sort is probably some solitary bush hut similarly occupied by a herdsman or shepherd and his helpmate the settler though accustomed to the loss of society is in truth seldom fond of visiting these places more often than is absolutely necessary for the welfare of his property and on returning to his head-station so strong is the contrast that he feels as if he were restored again to the center of civilization when about to form one of these outstations, the settler endeavors previously to obtain as much information respecting the country which he intends to occupy as he can procure without divulging his intentions an indiscretion which would perhaps be equivalent to frustrating them altogether for some of his neighbors also are probably on the lookout for new pasture and as the right to a station in a new part of the country beyond the boundaries of the colony belongs not to the original discoverer but to him who is the first to occupy it with stock it behooves him to keep the whereabouts of the spot which he has in view as much to himself as possible but it is always desirable for the stock owner to visit a new country in person and form his own opinion as to the quality of its pasture and other capabilities previously to taking possession provided always that he can do so unobserved when however two parties having the same object in view meet on the road all disguise is at an end each speedily penetrates the other's object and the war with its maneuvers commences first possession in this case being every point of the law under such circumstances as these the energy and ingenuity of both parties are called into action and though the strongest stock and best mounted men have a great advantage yet the race is not always to the swift nor the battle to the strong stratagem and the casualties of the road frequently turn the scale in favor of the weaker side as an instance of this i recollect hearing of the ruse by which a very fine station Many hundred miles in the interior, where I once passed a night, came originally into its owner's possession. He went out by agreement with two or three others on an exploring expedition in search of new land for grazing purposes, and after penetrating some very broken and scrubby country, they emerged from the forest upon a fine plain, verdant and well watered. At once he saw that it would suit his purpose, provided that he could get the sole possession of it but that it would be overstocked if divided in a case of this sort i fear that according to the code of morality in an infant colony most artifices are accounted fair so accordingly he seemed to take but little notice of the spot speaking rather disparagingly of its merits and expressing his opinion that better country would be discovered by going farther on and as his judgment had considerable weight with the party they all proceeded on their journey on the following day he was taken ill and regretting that he was obliged to return he left his fellow travelers to prosecute their search but after seeing them fairly on their road he recovered from the illness which had answered his purpose and making his way back to his old station he speedily returned to the place he had fixed on with stock sufficient to occupy the whole of it to the exclusion of his disappointed companions who discovered too late that his illness had only been what the blacks would have called plenty too much gammon it is upon such occasions as these that the energy which a bush life at no time suffers to stagnate is fully displayed i remember the instance of a man who was making his way through the country with his stock drays etc for the purpose of occupying a very desirable station in some newly discovered land of promise when within a few days of his journey's end he arrived at the foot of a mountain which lay in his road and which was so steep and difficult of access that to a party driving stock it was considered a good day's journey to accomplish the ascent here he was preparing to encamp for the night in the usual way when he received intelligence that another party having in view the same object as himself were halting a short distance from the top fully aware of his vicinity and prepared to start at daybreak on the following morning though all his men were thoroughly wearied by a long day's journey he was determined to be the first at the goal so selecting some of the strongest animals from his herds he set out again directly and by dint of working all night succeeded in getting his stock to the top of the mountain before dawn of day then making a slight circuitous route he pushed ahead of his competitors who on arriving at the station they were bound for were astonished to find it already in the possession of those whom they had believed to be a full day's journey in their rear the removal of stock from one part of the country to another is attended with no little trouble and labour previously to setting out the sheep must be brought in from the several stations classed and counted the cattle numbering perhaps upwards of a thousand have to be driven into the enclosures and droughted or subdivided the drays must be repaired and loaded with supplies and everything requisite for a long trip this occupies several days to say nothing of minor delays from stray saddle horses and the absence of working bullocks which seem to have a fellow feeling with the horses in never being at hand when most wanted and from the constant insatiable demands on the part of the servants for every sort of saddlery bollock gear and harness of every description nor is it the least difficult part of the business to manage the working men at so critical a time who thoroughly knowing their own importance on such occasion are apt if not treated with great tact to throw many obstacles in the way of the master who often finds that the only means of ending them is by giving orders for starting at once and feels heartily glad like the mate of a merchantman that he has been able to get off upon any terms once fairly upon the road the appearance of the line of march is animated and interesting and may be compared without any great stretch of fancy to some of the migrations of the early patriarchs abraham or lot journeying in the land of canaan as long as the travelers can calculate on reaching a station at night their hardships are lessened by the enjoyment of a roof overhead and the use of enclosures for the stock but as they recede more and more from the habitations of men these advantages cease and the flocks and herds must be watched during the night a process which with cattle is very tiresome and one that effectually murders sleep doubly welcome as it is after the fatigues of the day but watching is absolutely necessary as the cattle if not confined by some means or other would ere by the dawn be many miles on their road back to their old pastures urged by the strong local attachment which they invariably possess the manner in which a large herd of cattle is enclosed at night in default of stockyards is i believe peculiar to australia shortly before dusk they are driven on to some open level ground where if procurable some natural barrier on one side such as a steep hill or river bank is a great advantage here they are stopped and encircled by horsemen who continue to hem them in until others have in the same time lit large log fires around them at a distance of ten or twelve yards apart as soon as these are blazing pretty strongly the horsemen retire by the intervening spaces and the cattle find themselves encompassed by a ring of flame of which they have at all times a dread and particularly at night notwithstanding every precaution however it is no easy matter to keep them together until daybreak a constant watch must be continued on all sides to prevent their breaking through the spaces between the fires which some of them are always on the alert to do if the flames begin to slacken and if one of the cattle leads the way it is next to impossible to prevent the others from following the example the stockmen therefore are obliged to walk backwards and forwards during the whole night replenishing the flames and keeping back the cattle with as little noise as possible for if suddenly alarmed the whole herd would certainly rush through every obstacle and make their escape but with proper care the end is usually gained hundreds of huge animals any one of whose strength would be too great for that of all the men united are thus made to yield to human stratagem and remain within the limits of the prescribed circle the vagrant and primitive mode of life experienced in these overland trips if it has hardships can boast on the other hand of many pleasures peculiar to itself especially to the young and adventurous to many of whom is utter dissimilarity with early habits renders it more pleasing from the contrast there are charms in the early morning breeze and the breakfast like a picnic at sunrise in the thoroughly independent way in which the adventure traverses the pathless wilds with the whole land before him in the drowsy halt at noon and finally in the quiet evening's encampment when after washing away all remembrance of the toil and heat of the journey in some cool stream as yet untouched by the white man he can rest beneath the canopy of heaven nor care beyond to-day under these circumstances preparations for passing the night are soon made every traveller in the bush carries with him his tinder box and as soon as the tin quart pot which has been dangling all day at the saddle-bow boils at the crackling log fire and is converted into a teapot and the eatables consisting of corned beef and damper are spread out upon the grass the meal is ready and he has nothing to do but fall to with the appetite of a traveller after allowing an hour or so for digestion he rolls himself for the night in the blanket or possum cloak which by day is strapped on before him and sleeps with his head between the flaps of the saddle which turned upwards is the ordinary bush substitute for a pillow this sensation of absolute freedom which is one of the chief attractions of this sort of life some might say it is only one gains a stronghold upon many minds and it is certain that in a new country such as australia there are few men who after leading a pastoral life would be able to content themselves with the less exciting and less dependent occupations of agriculture such as it is pursued in the more thickly populated parts of the colony or in the vicinity of the capital End of chapter two.